0: Well, we're going to continue our series that we've been going through i think it's been a really good series for us uh, going through the resurrected life based on john chapter 11 verse 25 where jesus is speaking he says declares i am the resurrection and the life and we talked about living the resurrected life starts with understanding our death and we've spent several weeks trying to do this thing where i was trying to drink more water okay and to help me I downloaded an app. That moment, heaven was open and he saw the spin and what it looks like to to live that way and experience life that way, but to realize that's not what God intended for us. We looked at this passage in Romans chapter 8 verse 15, which contrasts the, the orphan kind of spirit with the spirit of adoption and being a child. So we looked at Romans 8 15 which says you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again but you have received a spirit of adoption as children of God where we can call God Abba Father okay so remember we've been talking about the orphan spirit and saying that we don't want to dwell on the orphan spirit we don't want to focus on the orphan spirit but it's helpful for us to recognize it And why is it helpful? It's helpful for us to recognize when we're operating that way so we can replace it. Okay, it's not helpful to work on it. It's not helpful to try to fix it. It's helpful for us to recognize it so we can replace it. And that's what we want to do. We want to spend more time thinking about how to replace it. So even this passage here in Romans 8.15 that talks about not having the spirit of fear and not having the spirit of slavery. How do we combat that? What, do we, what does the Lord want to give us in replace? Well, we can look at this verse in 1 John 4:18, which I think is one of the antidotes that the Lord provides for us to having fear. This is one way the Lord wants us to really be able to think about and to focus and to experience and to break free from fear. 1 John 4:18 says this: There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. When we look at this passage, it's very clear what Uh, the writer John is telling us about how do we do face fear? How do we face things when we have this orphan spirit, when we carry fear, when we have insecurity, when we allow these things to come in? How do we address it? We don't address it by attacking it, because if you were to attack it, that's the way we normally think when we think about having fear. Our typical reaction is to combat fear. How do we combat fear? We have more courage, we try to rise up, we try to have more strength, or we combat fear by trying to escape, or we try to uh, think about something else. But that's not the way the Bible has us address fear. The Bible has us address fear by being loved. God says, perfect love casts out fear. We want to replace fear with love. When we look at this passage, I I really um, think it's good that John mentions that it's perfect love that casts out fear. And when we see that word perfect love, it's obviously referring to God's love, okay? Humans don't have perfect love, okay? Even those that you love the most and love the best. And I often say, like, often we treat the people that we love the, the most the worst, you know, in our family and I don't know if it's because we feel comfortable, we can say things to them and know that they won't reject us, but sometimes we say the worst things to those that we love the most. I know that I've found that to be true, whether it's to my wife or to my kids, I've said things that I regretted and say like, man, I would never say that to anybody else. I would never say to anybody else, even people that I feel like are my enemies, I wouldn't say that to them, but yet I'm saying it to my family. So when we look at this passage, it's not human love that casts out fear. It's perfect love that casts out fear. That's really important for us because uh, throughout our lives, we might have been discouraged by this whole uh, aspect of being loved. We might have given up. And I share testimony in the past how I feel like I've given up on that idea. I've given up an idea of being loved. And because I haven't received it, because I didn't really being able to experience that growing up, I just kind of got used to living without it. But that's on a human level that's on a human level but this passage is talking about being loved by god but unfortunately it's all kind of mushed together it's not easy to separate the two being loved from god and being loved from people it's all kind of lumped together and like i said if you've had negative experiences on a human level, in being able to, to be loved by being disappointed, by being discouraged, by being hurt, by being all those things, that it's easy to let those things affect us and our view of being loved. And sometimes, if you were like me, I kind of gave up on the idea. And especially for guys, I think it's true, that we say, I could do without it, okay? I could just live without it. I don't need all those mushy emotions and all those different things. Like, I don't really need that. But i think that's true because we've gotten used to living without it uh, it's interesting i remember this one time where um, i was trying to drink more water okay so if you follow the recommendation do you know what the recommendation of how much water you're supposed to have a day you're supposed to drink eight cups per day okay and i don't know if you ever tried to measure how much water Most of us never get eight cups of water a day. I never got, okay? And so I tried to do this thing where I was trying to drink more water, okay? And to help me, I downloaded an app, okay? And I forget what the app was called, but it's something that helps you track how much water you're drinking, Okay, so, and I noticed some of you drinking water right now. That's good. Good response. So when I was doing this app, it makes you fill out, like, whenever you drink a cup of water. You're supposed to estimate how much you're drinking. So I'm keeping track, keeping track throughout the day, and I get through half the day, and I'm like, and I only had one cup of water. I got to drink more. I got to drink more. I got to drink more. So, like, I started carrying bigger and bigger and bigger bottles of water, right, because, Uh, after you drink one, you don't want to go fill it up or whatever. So like, I had this big, giant bottle of water that I was carrying around with me everywhere I went, and I just kept drinking, kept drinking, and kept drinking. And so I started noticing when I was tracking with this app that I started getting used to drinking more, right? And there's some things that I noticed. One is you go to the bathroom so much when you drink a lot of water (laughs) because you're not used to it. Your body's not used to having that much water, so it's kind of gotten used to Living without it. And so when you actually have water, you're starting to go to the bathroom so much because your body's going, what's going on? I'm not used to this much water. The other thing I noticed, which has really, really struck me, was as I started getting used to drinking more water, do you know what happened? I started getting thirsty. Which was really strange because I think I never felt thirsty before. I never felt thirsty Like maybe if I ate something salty that I'd feel thirsty, but normally walking through, I didn't feel like I have to have water. I'm so thirsty. It wasn't until I started drinking water that I started to recognize my thirst. And I think that's a good analogy with us and being loved by God. We get accustomed and we get used to living without it. We feel like I haven't experienced it. I know God here, I know God loves me here, but I don't know God loves me here. And so we've gotten used to living without it. We've gotten accustomed to it, just like I got accustomed to not drinking any water. And when I stopped drinking water, my body got used to it and accommodated that. And it really, it shut down something that's supposed to be natural for us, which is thirst. And I think the same thing happens in our love, what if our love that we're supposed to receive from the Lord. We're created for that. We're made for that. We're made to be loved by God. But through our past experiences and through our disappointments, we've learned to live without it. We've learned to live, I can just know it here, but I don't have to know it here. That's not true. So it's really good. I we going to refer back to when we talked about the soul, which is the mind, will, and the emotions, right? And we talked about that emotions, they're not supposed to lead, right? They're a great follower, but not a good leader, right? We need to let the truth lead. We need to let the truth be there and present, even if our emotions are not. That's the starting place. So we need to know that God loves us. That does start in the brain. It does start with the truth. It's not with the emotions. But emotions need to follow, If it doesn't follow, then it's never going to be a real knowing. It's never going to be a biblical sense of knowing that God loves me. When we look at this passage, it says, perfect love casts out fear. We need to be able to receive the love in order for that to happen. right? And I think about, um, I don't know if it's because we're so hyper-conscious of bacteria and germs and viruses and stuff, but I was looking up this past week about, Uh, what happens to germs and viruses in heat, right? And when the temperature starts going up, it can't thrive, right? So once it starts getting into like 100 degrees, 120, 130, then it it can't spread anymore. And then when it gets higher and higher, it gets to like 165 and above 165. Above 165, immediately, if germs are exposed to temperatures above 165, immediately it's gone. Immediately it dissipates. It's evaporated it's gone it's killed that's what this verse is talking about when perfect love comes it eradicates fear like that it's like when you're turning up the temperature it's the difference between looking at fear and then saying i need to battle fear i need to battle fear versus i'm going to replace it i'm going to be loved by god and when you're loved by god it does cast out fear This is the way the Bible wants us to start thinking now as children of God instead of orphans. This is the adjustment, the renewing of our mind that we need. We need to start thinking this way. We need to start seeing like, when I have fear, I don't try to address it, I try to replace it. And I need to replace it with being loved. And we can't let our past experiences with being disappointed by it and discouraged by it prevent us from pursuing it look at these passages that talk about from Jesus do you know when we look at the Gospels and we look at Jesus's life there's two times where it says the heavens kind of opened up and God is speaking directly where humans can can uh, audibly hear from God do you know those two times those two times in Jesus' life was one at his baptism and then two at the Mount of Transfiguration look at what look at what God the Father God says let's look at first one in Matthew 3 this is the when Jesus is baptized. So in verse 16 and 17, says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Verse Peter 5 says, cast all your anxiety because he cares for you. That you probably heard many times, you might have even memorized, and I think that you have to
1: The football game. like little things, like uh just sitting in a restaurant or going to just like little things, help me know you are near. Help me know you
0: the Lord. This is before he did anything. This is before he went out and started his ministry. Right after this, then he starts his ministry. Before he starts his ministry, Father God says, I am pleased with him already. Why? Because he's my son. Because he's my son. Look at the second one on the Mount of Transfiguration. Verses 1 and 2, it says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Then in verse 5, while he was still speaking, a A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Sound familiar? It's the exact same thing that Father God spoke to Jesus. This is towards the tail end of his ministry. So it's almost like a bookend. We see that God is not speaking to Jesus, he's speaking to the disciples. Jesus already knows this. Jesus is already confident in this. Jesus is already walking in this. This is not for his benefit. This is for our benefit. That's why he says, this is my son. He's not speaking to Jesus saying, this is my son. This is my son. Listen to him. It's obvious he's talking to other people. He's not talking to Jesus. Jesus already knows who he is. He already knows his identity. He's secure. And how is he secure? because he knows he's his son and he knows he's loved this is very important this is the foundation of our identity this is the foundation of us being a christian that we have to know that we are children of god that we are his sons and daughters whom he loves It's really important for us, because if we don't do this, then we can't really experience the things in the Bible. We can't experience the kind of Christian life. We can't experience the resurrected life that's full of power and fruitfulness. Look at this passage in 1 John 4, 19. It tells you the order in which things happen. It says, we love. Why? Because he first loved us. His love comes first. We can't love the way he wants us to love unless we receive his love first. Uh, I always say, you can't give what you haven't received. You can't give what you haven't received. If you want to love like God loves, if you want to give God's love, guess what? You have to receive God's love. You can't give what you haven't received. Receiving comes first. That might be sound contrary to you. That might sound contrary to humility and, and being humble, saying like, oh, I'm going to put myself first. But no, look at, look at this First John four nineteen. It says, we love because he first loved us. That's the priority. That's what starts first. In John chapter 15, you don't need to turn to that, but Jesus sets up the same thing. He says, the Father has loved me, then I loved you. Now go love each other. He sets the priority. We need to receive before we go. We need to receive and then we give. We need to receive his love. It's not being selfish. This is what we were made for. Why would it be selfish living according to how God designed us? He designed us to be loved by him. That's our purpose. That's why he created us. He didn't need to create us. He could do everything in this world without us. He doesn't need us. Why would he create us in the first place? To experience him, to be loved by him. That's why we were made. We need to understand this. We need to be able to receive this. If we don't, we're not going to be able to live the resurrected life. Look at this passage in 1 Peter 5.7. Seeing how important it is for us to be able to receive. 1 Peter 5.7 says, casting all your anxiety in him. Why? Because he cares for you. Guess what? If you don't know he cares for you, you're not gonna cast your anxiety on him. That's what this passage says, right? Cast all your anxiety, all of your anxiety, all of your cares, all your worries, all your fears. Cast it on him. Why? Because you know he cares for you. If you don't know he cares for you, you're not going to cast all your anxiety on him. And if you're not going to cast all your anxiety on him, then you're going to keep carrying it. That's the only alternative. You're going to carry it. Or you want other people to help you carry it. First Peter 5 says, cast all your anxiety because he cares for you. ...that you probably heard many times, you might have even memorized, and I think that you have to...
1: ...how's the football game? Like little things, like uh, just sitting in a restaurant, or going to just, like little things... ...help me know you are near,
0: help me know you... ...the Lord... Now, if you can join me in the reciting of the Apostles' Creed. There's many words for love. There's eros, there's phileos, there's agape love. There's many different words for love, and I like that because they're not all the same, right? So uh, philos love is like brotherly love, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's where it comes from. Want to know what God's love is? When the Bible talks about God's love, it's agape what does agape mean unconditional love unconditional love now if you're an orphan if you have the orphan mindset it's very difficult to receive agape love it's very difficult to receive without having earned it or deserved it it's very difficult to receive god's unconditional love because there's no conditions he loves you because you're his daughter. He loves you because you're his son. There's no other reason. It's because of who you are and because of who he is. That's the only reason. He doesn't put conditions on it. It's unconditional love. If you put conditions on it, you can't receive it. If you say, i'm only going to let the lord love me if i do x y and z i'm only going to let the lord love me if i'm doing all the right things if you only let the lord love you because of all your performance that's not unconditional love you're putting conditions on it if we put conditions on it we're not receiving agape love this is hard for us to receive you know who it's not hard to receive from is when you look at a child of god if you look at children just children in general they don't have a problem receiving You know, I look at my kids, they don't have any problem receiving. They'll receive anything that you want to give, as much as you want to give. They'll keep taking and taking. They have no reservation about receiving. You look at children, they're so unhindered. They receive and receive and receive and don't have any second thought about it. They have to unlearn this. We had to unlearn this. At one time, we were like that. There's a reason why Jesus says, you need to be like little children, that this is how the kingdom of God operates, is that you need to go back to that and being able to receive. It's interesting. It's so hard for us. Like, we've been so uh, beaten up because of the world and what other people's different expectations are. For example, like, let's say you go over to someone's house. Okay, you're a guest at their house, and they ask you, and maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I go over to their house, and they ask you, Do you want anything? Do you want a drink? Do you want me to give you something? What's my uh, immediate reaction? No, 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 I'm okay. I could be dying of thirst. I could be so thirsty and so hungry. No, 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 no. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Is that true? That's not true. I want a drink. But we're so conditioned to not receive. If we know that God loves us, then guess where the bottleneck is? Guess where the problem is if we don't feel loved? If God loves us, if his love is agape, if his love is for us and we know this, then guess where the problem is if we don't feel love. It's with us and our ability to receive. We have to be able to receive. We have to receive his love. We have to receive his grace. We have to receive his mercy. And it needs to be not based on us, but based on him and who he is and his character and because of Jesus. There's no conditions because Jesus met all the conditions already. He met all the conditions that's necessary for us to come into the Lord's presence, for us to receive from him, for us to be loved by him. He's because of Jesus, not because of anything that we did, that we became sons and daughters. It's nothing of ours. It's nothing of our own ability. It's nothing of our own things that we do or things that we accomplish that enable us to receive God's love. It's all because of Jesus. That's the only reason we need to be able to receive. We need to be able to receive God's love. It's so vital. But in order to do that, we need to change our thinking. Okay, so I want to close with this. I'm going to close by reading uh, a psalm, a very, very familiar psalm. But uh, what I want you to do is, and even if you're watching online, don't multitask while you're doing this. Just try to listen and receive, okay? So this is going to be um, that Sam version of this okay so I'm going to read the actual version but I'm going to give my own commentary on going through the psalm so it's psalm 23 okay it's one that you probably heard many times you might have even memorized and I think that you have to
1: how's the football like little things like uh just sitting in a restaurant or going to like little things help me know you are near
0: help me Now, if you can join me in the reciting of the Apostles' Creed.
1: When we do harm to those we
0: love and ignore the needs of society around us,
1: Professor said to him, "I don't believe in that God either. Right? My God is a God of love." And the Korean version, so American version, like the mom, uh, he was this older brother was willing to die so his sister could live. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to. Hallelujah. Christ is risen
0: Last message to our community. What, what would I say? And I can learn. How much it matter to God? They change. In verse, I have a father; he calls me his own. If this is my um, will, you bow your heads and pray with me. Soul, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is the one that's guiding me. I don't have to stay in the front. I don't have to lead. I can just follow where he leads. And he's going to lead me in the right way. He's going to lead me towards his namesake. He's going to lead me to feeling fulfilled and being at peace and having a clear conscience. He's going to lead me. I have to trust him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk in the darkest place, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they keep me close and they comfort me. As long as you're here with me, I don't need to fear. As long as my Father, who's over all things, is with me, I don't need to be afraid. Even when I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will have no fear. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, in the valley of the shadow of death, in the presence of my enemies, I have a table before me where you anoint my head with oil, where my cup is overflowing even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. My cup is overflowing even though my enemies are before me, even though people are against me. My cup is overflowing because you are with me. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Surely this will happen. I know it will. Even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death and I cannot see because it's so dark, I know your loving kindness and faithfulness will be with me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. When you're learning how to be a child, let scripture guide you. Okay, this is just one example. Let scripture guide you because scripture will tell you who you really are. Scripture will tell you who God really is. Let God, let the Holy Spirit bring scripture to mind to remind you, to ground you in the truth. You are who he says you are. You are a child of God. That's who he says you are. We need to start believing it and stop believing the lie. Stop believing what our experience tells us. Stop believing all of of the things that people have done to us and start believing who God is and who we are. So when we close our service, let's, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would come and to show us you are a shepherd who cares for us you are our lord who loves us who wants to bring us rest wants to bring us peace thank you that you care for us that we can cast all our anxieties upon you thank you that you love us help us to be able to receive it thank you that we are your sons and daughters unconditionally loved by our father in heaven Thank you that we have all of this, not because of us, but because of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for making all of this possible. In Jesus' name we pray.